The Start On Demand. On demand. Some Manitoba workplaces are starting to introduce vaccination policies with strict restrictions for the unvaccinated. What do you think of this? Meanwhile, the push is on to get more Manitobans vaccinated. Premier Brian Pallister unveiling yesterday they're holding a vaxathon next week. And loosened restrictions could be coming next week. Calgary Stampede starts tomorrow. We head to Calgary to speak with our colleagues at 770 CHQR, Mornings with Sue and Andy. And Calgary Stampede, one of the biggest festivals outside of Winnipeg. So we had a lot of fun today talking about the best festivals you've ever been to outside Winnipeg. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb, who's on vacation this week. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. And this is the Thursday, July 8th podcast for The Start. Mackling and McGarry McNabb is on holidays. We usually like to start the show with a kind of nice warm-up chat to ease into the morning as we're all waking up and shaking off the cobwebs. But GMAC, something special today because what starts tomorrow? <clears throat> I'm going to see if I can do that. Speaking of of warm-up, if I can do this this early in the morning. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> That's the Calgary Stampede! And of course... Stampede's going to look a little different this year. No Stampede last year. And yesterday we were talking about what a great time Calgary Stampede is. Whether you live in Calgary or you go to visit the greatest outdoor show on earth. And uh, I was skeptical, as I said last year, when I moved to Alberta over 20 years ago. They walked the walk, McGarry. And since their show doesn't start until 6.30 our time, we'll take them while we've got access. Sue DL and Andrew Schultz. Mornings with Sue and Andy, 770 CHQR in Calgary. Sue and Andy, good morning. Good morning, guys. Good morning. So, Sue, how excited is your city for the Stampede? Oh, you know what? I'm not actually quite sure how to answer that because normally we'd be very excited. Well, some of us would leave the city because they're not excited at all. And others, <laughs> others would be pumped to be going to the grounds. It's always a fun time, but there's a lot of people who are just really concerned about it this year. And I'm, I'm really not sure how excited people are to get down there this year. Andy, what's your take on this? Because this is a sort of a rite of passage for many Calgarians, for many ca- Canadians to attend a Calgary Stampede. The trepidation is real? Yeah, it, you know, it's very interesting because we're ready for a party. We want that normalcy, but there's going to be a lot of people still on the sidelines. I have been to every Stampede since I was six years old. So uh, since 1978, I've not missed one. I was forced to miss one last year because of the pandemic. But I want to back it up a bit. We're so into it that officially it starts tomorrow with a parade, but we have sneak a peek tonight. Mm -hmm. So technically you can get your stampede on as early as tonight. But there's that huge component of people who uh, say, you know, I'm going to sit it out because it's not going to be a 100% stampede. And so that's kind of the, the, the push and pull. Do you wait till next year till you can have everything exactly the way you want a stampede to be or do you kind of have a little bit of a stampede light this year and those people who have been just hungry for it there's going to be a lot of folks going but yeah there's going to be a huge it'll be interesting to see over the next several days Mm -hmm. how many people are actually in attendance and uh, uh, taking part in those events off of stampede park as well 
Now, Sue, what's the reaction been to the Stampede being the first major Canadian event to ask attendees for proof of vaccination or have to do a rapid test? Uh, it's interesting, you know, and I think when they announced that Stampede was going to head, I, I go ahead, I, I think people were just thinking, this is insane, it's ridiculous, it can't happen. But that was a couple of months back when they said they were planning for a Stampede as of the beginning of July, not at the time they announced it. And everybody still thought, not going to happen. Well, we're here now, and we're well vaccinated. Over 50% of Alberta's population now has double doses of the, of the uh, vaccine. So going into the grounds... You know, if it, you're there, you don't have to wear a mask if you don't want to. The staff will be, volunteers will be, don't have to be masked as a guest, but you do, which is the big party tent on the, the grounds. You do have to either do a rapid test or you have to have at least one vaccination and have it had two weeks to kick in. So it's kind of weird. Uh, you know, such a great time, and I think people uh, will be prepared to to pay that price, so to speak. But Andy, overall, how are things going in Alberta with the loosened restrictions? What has the reaction been? Is there is, is there still a divide in Alberta as there often is uh, around many subjects and topics, uh, football, <laughs> hockey, uh, you name it? It's interesting because we don't see, uh, you know, when, when you had to wear a mask, to the grocery store, for example, you'd have those standouts and there'd be some, maybe some words had, and all eyes would be on the person not wearing the mask. Now, you know, it's interesting. You can go into the grocery store, go to Safeway, pick up some groceries. And I was there with my family a couple of days ago, and I bet over 80% still wearing yeah, masks. Yep. So, yeah, the, the, the personal choice now is to, to, to kind of stretch it out a bit. We're not seeing, it's, it's funny because, uh, you know, our positivity rate, I believe, yesterday was 0.8 to 0.9%. A couple of days ago, we had 33 new cases. So it seems like what we've done is super effective, but there's still that cautious move ahead I'm finding from Calgarians and a lot mm-hmm. of people that I speak to. You know, we're hearing more about the variants as well and what's happening around the globe with the variants. So I think that in the end, we're cautiously optimistic, enjoying some of the new freedoms. And I think probably speaking on behalf of every Calgarian, including (laughs) Sue here, um, I I think that the big thing is seeing family and maybe having grandma over to the house, the simple things like that. But uh, people aren't quite dancing in the streets quite yet. But I guess we'll see with 10 days ahead of Stampede. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, Sue and Andrew Schultz, I know you've got a show to do, so we'll let you go. Thank you very much for joining us today on CJOB. We appreciate it. Yahoo. Thanks for having us. <laughs> Mornings with Sue and Andy, 770 CHQR in Calgary. Greg, i got to commend you. I didn't know you had that in you, that, uh, that Yahoo. That was impressive. Listen, man, like I said, when you move to Alberta, you've got to be prepared for a whole bunch of different changes in your life, like uh, getting your cowboy boots shined up, uh, wearing a cowboy hat. I still have my uh, white Stetson from when I lived in Calgary, and and it lives in our uh, camper trailer, and Jackie says it is not allowed to come into our house. (laughs) Why? That sounds like a a Stetson. That's That's a big deal, isn't it? It was. It was a big investment, but uh, it's part of my life, I guess, that Jackie just uh, just keep it out there in the trailer. It doesn't come in here. So it, it it's a different way of life. Alberta's might as well be a different country. I know there's lots of people in Alberta who wouldn't mind that.
Mackling and McGarry McNabb is on holidays. Question of the day at cjob.com. Brought to you by Credit Aid, helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992. Visit creditaid.ca, call 204-987-6890. And the question that we asked yesterday morning, a four-day workweek trial in Iceland is being hailed as an overwhelming success. Would you prefer a four-day workweek? At cjob.com, 74% say yes. 26% say no. On Twitter and Instagram, the divide was more in the 90% range, almost like over, like almost unanimous on Instagram. I think it was 95%, uh, if, my, if my maths are correct on that. So thank you to all who voted. We'll get a new question up for you soon. We're going to ask you a question today about workplace vaccination policies, and we'll have more on that at 7.50. And in our next segment, we're talking festivals outside of Winnipeg. So you can start texting us now the best festival you've ever attended outside of Winnipeg for your chance to win a $20 gift certificate for Santa Lucia Pizza. In the meantime, it's an age-old quandary over one of the most popular foods in North America. Only the numbers have changed. The hot dogs are sold in packages of 10, while there are eight buns to one bag. What am I going to do with two leftover hot dogs? Make it make sense. Make it make sense to me. I want the number of hot dogs in a bag to be the same. (laughs) I want to buy eight hot dogs and eight hot dog buns to go with them. But no one sells eight hot dog buns. They only sell 12 hot dog buns. So I end up paying for four buns I don't need. So I am removing the superfluous buns. I'm sorry, sir, but you're going to have to pay for all 12 buns. They're not marked individually. Yeah. You want to know why? Because some big shot over at the Wiener Company got together with some big shot over at the Bun Company and decided to rip off the American public. Oh, I love Steve Martin. And of course, for a long time in Canada, 12 wieners and 12 buns was pretty common. But in this day and age, it's less it's less common to find a dozen wieners in a package. And the big shots, Brett, at the ketchup company, sidebar here, a condiment which many insist doesn't belong on a hot dog in the first place, is trying to sort this all out. And they're asking for your help. Kraft Heinz wants you to sign a petition to create consensus. People are frustrated that you have these two extra hot dogs that you don't know what to do with. Uh, and they go bad in your freezer. And it's just, you know, I need the amount of quantity that I need for my barbecue today uh, to match. And so they don't want it to go bad and they want to save, you know, food waste across the board. And so it's frustrating hot dog fans across the country and across North America. Daniel Gottlieb of Kraft Heinz Canada joined Richard and Julie on the news yesterday afternoon. As the condiment that brings hot dogs together and makes them taste better every summer, how do we solve that problem? How do we bring these two sides together like we do every day at a barbecue? And finally, you know, put an end to the inequality in the quantity. One more pitch from Gottlieb. We want to get as many Canadians and North Americans across the board to get to HeinzHotDogPack.com, sign the petition. Hopefully we can get enough support to, you know, broker peace and create that conversation, uh, you know, between us, bun companies and weeder companies across the board. Broker peace. 
Yes, yes. Uh, HeinzHotDogPack.com. When I last checked, Brett, it was over 11,000 signatures. I would think that they would want more than that. Change.org here. Da, 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 da. Da, da, da. Yeah, 11,335. So I have a couple thoughts on this. Is this the condiment to do this? Is ketchup trying to hang on to its precarious place in the world of the hot dog gourmet. Is this an uh, altruistic play for peace or a self-serving move <laughs> to remain relevant in the hot dog universe? I like this. I like this. I, this has anybody who ever has gone to buy hot dogs has had to deal with the frustration of trying to find that magical match. Like surely there's a, you know, I, I have looked at every kind of bun that's available in the bread section sometimes resorting to uh because sometimes i think you can buy like the ones that are fresh made by the bakeries and the grocery stores i think those are sold in six packs uh sometimes you can get them individually not right now mm. pre-covid uh at some of the bakeries right they would have them in the bin and so you could pick just as as many as you want. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. So the, the, it sh- I have always wondered, like, why is this so difficult to coordinate? Make 10, put 10 wieners in the pack, 10 buns or 12 wieners, 12 buns, 8 wieners, 8 buns, whatever. You shouldn't have to to mix and match to try to come up with, like, what or what do you end up buying, like, two or three packs of wieners and four bags of buns to try to <laughs> get the matching mark? But then you've got... Way too many hot dogs. Even when, like, if I even if I buy one package of hot dogs, that's going to last me for a long time because I'm not going to eat hot dogs every day for a week or two weeks. So I like this. Rich was trying to come up with the math, and I think uh, with the eight uh, buns in a pack and ten uh, ten wieners in a package, he was trying to get to the magic number. And I, I don't think they were able to build any consensus <laughs> on that. The, the, the math skills weren't strong enough to get there, but this is a genuine problem for a lot of people. I typically like the Winnipeg old country sausage, mm. uh, wieners. So I'll go to the deli counter and then I'll order the specific exact number that I want. And then, and then uh, maybe head over to the crusty bun and then ask them for a specific number of, of hot dog buns. But uh, and that's not always convenient. And this is about convenience. This is about food waste. And it's really uh, sometimes at the end of the day about nothing at all. Just something fun to chat about. And I also like that that Heinz is doing this and, and sort of planting their flag in the hot dog universe because I, I've never understood the, the, the pushback on ketchup's or ketchup shouldn't be on a hot dog. I have always put ketchup on hot dogs. I, maybe I've always been doing it wrong. I don't know. But if I have a hot dog with just mustard, it it feels incomplete. It's got to have ketchup. It's got to have mustard. I also like to have mayo on my hot dogs and some cheese if possible. And then if, if we're really going all out, some bacon. Yeah. Okay, now I'm starving. Great. Mackling and McGarry, McNabb is off this week. Just a quick follow-up thought on the hot dog math, Greg. Uh, I was thinking about this during the commercial break, and Ian has confirmed my math. Sent me an email, brett at cjob.com, and the email is uh, titled Easy Math. He says, Brett, eight packages of 10 equals 80. 
10 packages of eight equals 80. <laughs> I live alone and this is too much for me too. Or I guess you could do four packages of 10 for 40. So like yes. say four packages of 10 wieners, uh, 40 wieners, and then five packages of eight buns would be 40 buns. So yeah, that's still way too much. So yeah, I'm not, yep. I'm not buying that. I got a text message from uh, our good friend Chuck LaFleck. She says, if you buy five by eight packs of buns and four by 10 packs of wieners, you'll be even at 40 each. I said, 40? Who needs 40 hot dogs? Yeah. That's that's the other side of it. <laughs> it would be Keep a- texting us. We were having some, some great interactions on the text machine on this. I love it. So today we have the $20 gift certificate for Santa Lucia Pizza to give away. We talked about your favorite festivals inside Winnipeg, best festival you've ever been to in Winnipeg. And now we want to take it outside of Winnipeg, whether it's somewhere in Manitoba or somewhere else in Canada with like the Calgary Stampede or somewhere else in the world. Like maybe you're on vacation and you just happen to stumble upon some sort of a street festival. Tell us a story at 204-780-6868 for your chance to win. Let's start with Festival Cam. Festival Cam. Yes. Oh, yes. Uh, you know, I've always wanted to go to the Gimli Icelandic Festival. Oh, Eastland oh, Dingadagadan. Yeah, I've never never gone. I've always wanted to because it's on August long weekend and everybody's like, that's the weekend where everybody's busy and everybody makes plans. And I've never been able to get up there, uh, but I've always wanted to go to that one. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard nothing but great things about it. And it's like the... Um, uh, there, there's so many of these little festivals all over the place, and they're always a lot of fun. Like I remember, Braun was telling me about. I want to know what goes on in Altona. I'm gonna. What's that? What's that festival in Altona called? Sunflower Festival. I got to find out what's go. What goes on in Altona? I've never been down there, and uh, you know, if if they got a bunch of gems like Jeff Braun down there, then I think it's worth checking out. Yeah, the Vi- <laughs> Eastland Dingadagad and the the the, uh, the bar. Uh, the the Viking Hotel or the Motel. I think the Friends is what's what's it called? Is it called Two Friends? At least it used to be called. I think two that's friends. officially yeah. yeah. I think we just everybody just calls it the Viking. Yeah, just like everybody called Bullwinkle's the Oak in uh, Transcona. But uh, they for that that weekend they the entire parking lot. I don't know if they still do this, but when I went, the whole parking lot was the patio, and it was insanity. So yeah, that's a great uh, great time in Gimli. Jeff Braun, uh, would it be the Sunflower Festival for you? No, I was actually going to bring up a music festival I went to, the one uh, that they have up by Gimli. Used to have up there Sunfest in the 90s, and it was I went there, I think it was 94. It wasn't the Pearl Jam year one. It was the year after that, I believe. And it was just the lineup was all these great 90s rock bands that were just starting out, like Our Lady Peace and Moist and I, Mother Earth and the Tea Party. And I saw the Headstones up there for the first time. I'd never even heard about them before. I was in line to get an autograph from the Tea Party for a friend of mine. And, uh, and the headstones were on stage in the middle of the afternoon. I was like, ah, that band over there is really good. I can't wait to get out of this line. And I got right up to the front row and watched the headstones rock out for an hour and a half. It was, it in, was 2019, awesome. the, in 2019, oh, times oh. two. Hi there, Cam. Times Can, two. What is that? Hextall trying to jump in on our conversation. Yeah. Well, it sounds like times two. Oh, I, <laughs> <laughs> I know it's happening. Cam is feverishly trying to put together Hextall and hockey so I'm, we can play it in I'm three just gonna, minutes. I, I pulled, oh, wait. I pulled Cam down. Well, was that over the air? I'm sorry. I thought that I got off the air. I, I, I thought that the system was working and I just, oh, oh, I forgot about it. I got to get it together real quick here. Okay. Sorry. It's okay, Cam. You'll hear more from her in just a few moments, people. Hang on. Uh, uh, Mackling. 
Well, uh, Sunfest 93 was incredible, Jeff Braun. That was when Pearl Jam showed up and Eddie Vedder so eloquently said, these <coughs> mosquitoes are driving me <coughs> crazy <laughs> on stage. It was an incredible night, but it will always be for me, Minidosa, whether it was Classic Rock Weekend. It's now called Rock in the Fields of Minidosa for years and years, right across the street from my dad's house out in Minidosa, 10 to 20,000 people. Uh, one year, Def Leppard was there. Sammy Hagar was there. Foreigner's been there. I mean, some of the biggest classic rock acts of all time. Up in Minnedosa, Manitoba. Are you kidding me? It was an incredible weekend. Lots of fun. Uh, always a thunderstorm or two in order to uh, get people nice and muddy, nice and dirty. And uh, uh, no shortage of uh, food and or alcohol either. So it was a, a great time. Yeah, that feels like a part of the deal when you go to these music festivals. Like you remember, if, I, I can't remember how many years ago now, but Dauphin Country Fest, it rained the whole weekend. And I watched the, the radar. They had this massive system that oh. was just, it wouldn't, wouldn't move. It just, it just kept swirling and swirling and just dumped rain. And I had friends who were there. They said it was a huge mess and it was a, ma- it was a great, great time. Forte. Uh, well, I spent the whole commercial uh, break trying to pronounce is the ding a ding, and I can't even pronounce it. And Brett comes out and just <laughs> says it perfectly, and now I'm all embarrassed. But Wait, it's hard to say. Is the sing it, is, say it for me? Eastland, Eastland ding a dogadin. Eastland ding a dogadin. You have no idea. I've been trying the whole commercial break trying to pronounce it, and I just failed. But I, I've been there, but I want to go to a music festival. I want to camp out. Well, I say that now, but <laughs> I like sleeping in my own bed. But, uh, yeah, I always want to go to a music festival and, uh, you know, spend like a weekend and uh, get dirty and smelly and uh, party it up. So here's what we need from you at 204-780-6868. Tell us about the best festival you've ever been to outside of Winnipeg. Could be in Manitoba, could be somewhere else in Canada. And it doesn't, it doesn't just have to be a music fest. Like maybe it was a comic con or maybe like I, my dad took us to see power boats in North Dakota once and that was a blast. Or maybe you were just on vacation somewhere and happened to stumble into some kind of a street festival. Whatever. Just, or if you've never experienced anything like this, maybe there's one you want to try. 204-780-6868 for your chance to win that gift card for Santa Lucia Pizza. And at 737, Greg, for the Small Town Salute, we're going to keep it within Manitoba. Want to take some phone calls? That's right. We want to hear from you. So uh, think about what you want to sell us. Where do you want us to go? Where do you want us to be? And uh, we'll open up the phone lines as we like to do every once in a while. Mackling and McGarry McNabb is off this week. During our last segment, we heard Cam Poitras editing Hextall on hockey on the fly. He thought he was off the air. So then, uh, in case you're wondering what this was during that newscast, that was me uh, trying to load a clip into our script here, and I fired the clip by accident. So apologies. Looks like the gremlins are uh, on the loose today, Greg. I thought the gremlins were literally screaming to get out of the system, (laughs) that they were actually breaking out of all the wires and all the housing and and the places that we've been keeping them for the last 35 years. The gremlins were finally getting their revenge, but uh, you're keeping them at bay for the most part? 
I think so, yes. I think so. If not, then we'll get Gizmo uh, to come in with his bow and arrow and take them out, a Gremlins, too. Getting lots of great text messages, by the way, on festivals outside of Winnipeg, including a great one from first-time texter Jacqueline. So we're going to share that in our next segment. She has a story about Rocklahoma. So we're excited to share that story with you. But right now, we got to tell you about... This is the news that I, the first thing I saw this morning when I woke up and looked at my phone. Numerous police officers responded to the Manitoba legislature last night after a truck drove up the steps around 6.30 p.m. Global's Joe Scarpelli has more. The truck made it up all 20 steps and was sitting right here up against this pillar. Now, officials haven't released much information, but over to my right were a number of witnesses. One woman tells us she saw two people in the black Dodge Ram, a male driver with a female passenger. She says the truck went through the barricades at the entrance of the Manitoba legislature and did a loop before she says she heard loud noises and witnessed a vehicle where it shouldn't be. She says she heard the driver get out and shout this. Someone was yelling that they found more children, uh, that Ontario was falling and that there was bodies. And then we saw the police uh, showing up as immediately as they, as immediately actually, and arresting the man. And uh, we saw him uh, drive away in a, in a police car. And uh, there was an ambulance, firefighter, and there was another woman with him. Police took some pictures of the vehicle and then it was removed after about an hour and a half. And we're still waiting for more official details on exactly what happened here and why. Joe Scarbelli, Global News. Boy, that's a scary action. That's a violent act by somebody uh, who trying to make a point. We don't know exactly. And there were some audio issues there at the end of that story, Brett. And in case you couldn't hear what Joe said, this is what he did say. Police took some pictures of the vehicle and then it was removed after about a half an hour or pardon me, an hour and a half still waiting for more official details on exactly what happened here and why they hear being at the legislature. Brett, you, you say you recognize this vehicle. I'm pretty sure that, that like 99% sure that I saw this vehicle yesterday when I was walking home. So this would have been around 11 a.m. And my walk home always takes me past the legislature. I walk past the front steps every time I, you know, if I, if I take a cab to work, then I walk home. So I'm walking by the front steps and I see this truck that had pulled in and was just, you know, following the loop. And it pulled into a parking spot in front of the ledge. And uh, there's a big black Dodge Ram with a dirt bike mounted in the back. And when I looked at that picture this morning, I thought, is that the same truck with a dirt bike? So a young guy with an orange shirt got out of the, the truck, just casually walked toward the legislature, didn't see where he went. I didn't really, I didn't think much of it. I just thought, that's kind of weird to see a truck with a, with a dirt bike in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know if he's part of the... The, there's a little bit of a camp set up on the eastern grounds of the legislature. And I, I looks like, Greg, you spotted something that people were saying he wasn't a part of that camp. I don't know if the guy I saw was the person who drove the vehicle yesterday, but I, am, I, am, I would bet my life that, that, that it's the same vehicle. You know, and we do those Crime Stoppers segments uh, every month here on The Start. And there is a prime example of something, Brett, that that you saw that at the time caught your attention. But had this not gained any uh, publicity whatsoever, and maybe even two or three years from now, somebody was asking for tips. uh, In case you didn't realize this is something that happened, 
this probably is something that would stick in your memory for a long time. And it might end up being a, a, a key piece of the puzzle. Great connection. I never would have connected those dots. That, well done, sir. Yeah, that's a great point. So we'll have to keep that in mind as well when we revisit our friends at Crime Stoppers. Now, the premier says the two statues of the British queens that were toppled at the legislature on Canada Day will be fixed and resurrected. Yeah, but it's a move Indigenous leader, leaders and many other in our community are calling tone deaf. Here's Global's Brittany Greenslade with more. Within seconds, the Queen statue, which has stood for more than 100 years, came toppling down as frustrations and anger over Canada's history came to a head. But their actions, the Premier says, will not be tolerated. Heritage is a complicated thing. There are good and bad aspects to Canada's heritage, as there are to any country's heritage. We've had ups and downs in our country. We've had good times and we've had bad moments and Canada Day was one of those bad moments. Demonstrators covered the statues of Queen Victoria and Elizabeth in red paint and toppled them and beheaded one in protest of the deaths of Indigenous children at residential schools. While the damage is being assessed, Premier Brian Palster had one message. I want to be very very clear the statues will go back up Indigenous leaders condemned the acts of vandalism, but say the Premier's comments are not helpful towards reconciliation. Very disheartening. Uh, we're, we're frustrated. Um, but the, the provinces right out stated that those statues will be replaced and everything will go back to status quo. And, and again, this is not the time for status quo. You have to fully understand the reasoning behind that uh, action, right? Um, it's a call. It's a cry for help. Indigenous advocate Sheila Norse says instead of focusing on rebuilding damaged statues, the focus needs to be on rebuilding damaged relationships. This is a moment in time. People are in pain. People are frustrated. But there's ways we can work together to make sure that people's voices are heard at the same time rebuilding a relationship. You know, pain and, and, and uh, truth hurt sometimes, um, and that's part of it. However, the Premier says anyone involved in the tearing down of the statues will not have a voice in those discussions. Brittany Greenslade, Global News. Greg, quick thought before we get out here. Yeah, well, you know, I think that's short-sighted on the part of the Premier. Maybe not the, the handful of people who were directly involved in tearing that statue down. Uh, maybe you don't invite them to the table about how to move forward, but I think it's short-sighted to not ask for some input from the, the communities. Uh, affected uh, by what happened in residential schools. And uh, maybe the first step is to, we said this earlier, understanding why it happened or why it could have happened is not the same as condoning the action. And I think uh, the premier needs to just take a step back and realize that uh, just putting them back because he says so is probably not the way to go about this. We are opening our phone lines right now at 204-780-6868 for the Small Town Salute because we're talking about festivals outside of Winnipeg and that could be anywhere on planet Earth. But for this segment, we want your phone calls on the best festival you've ever attended in Manitoba, not in Winnipeg. You can call us now and tell us a story at 204-780-6868. We would love... To hear from you, we're getting all kinds of great feedback, Greg, on the text line. 
No question about it. In fact, uh, back to back to back here, texts from regular listeners, Kristen, Juliana, and Gary. I'm going to read Kristen's here. Not sure if it counts, but the Downs is technically out side of the, <laughs> of the city, outside the perimeter. So I submit Edge Fest 1999 is my best festival. My buddy at UMFM hooked us up with passes. I was there for Trouble Charger. My friend was psyched for Hole, and neither of us were disappointed aside from ending up with the second worst sunburn of my life. It was an excellent time. Kristen, you need to um, text us about your worst sunburn of your life. Thanks for sharing that with us. Uliana says, we go to Eau Claire, Wisconsin for the Eau Claire Music and Arts Festival. It's mostly indie music, but all different genres. And they usually invite a legacy performer like Indigo Girls, Bruce Hornsby, and Paul Simon. We made some friends from Chicago, and we meet there every year. It's still a new festival. Only four have been done, but I can't wait for next year. We get VIP passes and enjoy free beer all day and catered meals in a sectioned area. It's amazing. That sounds great. Wisconsin is a lovely state. Yeah, it is absolutely beautiful. Very swanky, Uliana. I didn't realize you were uh, you were in that uh, in that snob class up in the VIP passes area. And uh, Gary, the most impressive festival I've ever been to was the Chicago Blues Festival. Speaking of Chicago, was in town for some training that started Monday, but arrived Saturday night with a coworker. Decided to head downtown for the festival. First time as an adult in Chicago downtown until the wee hours and then the train back to the burbs weekend i will never forget boy oh boy gary we've got some uh, notes to exchange on that sounds like my first visit to chicago as well some terrific text messages keep them coming 204-780-6868 and we invite you to call us and tell us about your favorite festival Outside of Winnipeg in Manitoba, we would love to hear your voice for the Small Town Salute at 204-780-6868. Kat in Gimli, for example, was talking about, I just got to find her text, most fun ever was hosting a friend from Los Angeles at Eastlandingadagadin a few years ago. The Icelandic Festival in Gimli, especially the Viking encampment, mock battles, demonstrations of metalworking, spinning, dyeing, and authentic food preparation. That's dyeing as in like, you know, dye, like color. <laughs> not, oh, not, okay. Not, not, I was wondering. Not dying. And uh, authentic food preparation, plus the epic vendors market, parade, and fireworks. It is a fantastic weekend, and my friend had a blast. So many great festivals uh, outside of Winnipeg in Manitoba. You know, you've got the Corn and Apple Festival in Morden. Jeff mentioned the Sunflower Festival. What's the one in Nipawa called? Is that the was that the Lily Festival? I guess it yeah, it would be the Lily Fest. I've never been to Lily Fest. Uh, the Thresherman's Reunion in Austin is incredible to witness. They bring back these old machines, the old Thresher machines, steam powered. I know they had a great big reunion for their 100th anniversary or 100th celebration of that tradition just a few years ago. And to see these old pieces of equipment working is absolutely awe-inspiring. And the museum there is terrific. Uh, They used to have, was it the Strawberry Festival in Portage, uh, Portage La Prairie years ago when I was a kid? And Corn and Apple, I can remember going to when I was little as well. And and Morden is such a cute little town, beautiful spot. They've got a, a great downtown, uh, lots of businesses to support, the beautiful park in the downtown as well. And uh, people really love that festival. I'm just looking, I just Googled Lily Festival and it looks like it may be no more. 
I'm seeing headlines here that uh, the one headline reads from this is from 2014. The Nipawa Lily Festival wilts after 18 Aww. years. Uh, well, so, that's too bad. So I don't know. Maybe somebody is listening right now who knows the answer. Is that festival still a thing that happens every year or is is it donezo? Let us know at 204-780-6868. I've been to the Gimli Fest a few times. But yeah, sort of like Cam, how he said he wanted to become Festival Cam. I say this every year that I would like to do more stuff in Winnipeg and outside of Winnipeg, and I never end up doing it inevitably because anytime I go to a, a vicinity... Like a Morden, I'm there for a very specific reason. It's mm-hmm. always for golf. Uh, but I think I actually have gone to the course in Morden, Minnewasta, for while the festival was on. And uh, we just sort of took a quick rip through the town, and it was just jam-packed. So it was, is there one that you'd like to visit, Greg, in Manitoba? Yeah, if if uh, time wasn't an issue, the Trappers uh, Fest up, I guess it's up in the Paw, I would love to go and see that part of the province again. I haven't been there since 1980, such a beautiful part of, of Manitoba. We spent May long weekend up there uh, in 1980, and I only remember that because on the way home, the uh, dust and the uh, volcanic ash from Mount St. Helens eruption started to become part of the landscape as we made our way home to Brandon from that part of the province. So I remember that very, very well. Just so beautiful, so rugged, untouched. Uh, The terminology, the the adjectives to describe northern Manitoba are endless, really. And so, yeah, I'd like to find an excuse to go back there again. And what about... um, Winnipeg Folk Festival, even though the name Winnipeg is on the festival, it takes place also outside the perimeter at Birds Hill Park. So one of our listeners saying, used to volunteer at the Folk Festival, and it was always a great time. One year we were listening to Los Lobos during the day, watching everybody dance and have a good time. In the evening we were watching Buddy Guy under the northern lights. Oh my word, it was magical. No kidding. I've only been to the Folk Festival once, and it's a, uh, one of those other things that I really need to get back to because I didn't know what to expect. I certainly didn't expect to... I, I knew it would be busy, but when I saw the sea of people who were there, I was floored. And then when you go into their little kind of village where they've got all their food courts set up, it, I don't... The, the atmosphere there is, uh, is as relaxed I think is any place I've ever been. It was really nice to, you know, to see like, I, I, I thought maybe I'd feel out of place, but I didn't because everybody was just so friendly with each other. And uh, there was sort of an, uh, an atmosphere of acceptance. And then uh, the, we went there specifically to see Elvis Costello. So, oh, okay. So that was a great concert. The only problem with that was uh, because where we were standing um, I was standing kind of on like a, like a, 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 an old, where a tree trunk, where like basically the, the bottom of a tree, where like a tree had been, tree trunk had been shaved down and it was sort of on an awkward angle. So my back was killing me for, cause it was like, we just had to stand there for two hours and by the end I could barely walk. So <laughs> I had to be almost carried out by my and- then girlfriend. And so you're already 6'4", so you were even taller. So I'm sure the person behind you uh, was, maybe that was a person had a voodoo doll and was actually poking (laughs) pins in in the back part. Maybe it had nothing to do with standing on that tree trunk, Brett. It was actually uh, something else that was affecting your health. 
I always had to, as the taller guy, I was, anytime we did a class trip or anything, they always made me go to the back for whatever we were looking at. So the shorter students could see and, mm. but inevitably I wouldn't be able to see because I'd be too far back. Yep. Oh. Yeah. yeah, I know. I know. It's it's all in the, the name of equality. And then, and then you got uh, the short end of the stick, ironically. Uh, I'm just looking through a bunch more of our text messages. Uh, Robin St. James says he used to live up in the paw. Some of the best times of his life. And then Crystal, I, can, I was at this one year too, ran out of gas on the way home up in Grand Beach. They had a music festival um crystal says she can't remember the name of it saw rough trade the new doors and a bunch more excellent time if you remember the name of that festival it was very short-lived i think it maybe lasted two if not three summers at the very most text us 204-780-6868 lots of incredible suggestions coming in shelly confirming the lily festival in ipawa is no No. more sad face from brett Mackling and McGarry McNabb is off this week. A private personal care home company that saw dozens of COVID-19 deaths at its Winnipeg facilities is introducing a new staff immunization policy. Rivera is expecting its employees to get vaccinated unless they can prove they can't for medical reasons. Starting this month, unvaccinated staff at Rivera's care homes will need to get tested every day along with wearing PPE. Immunization will also be, Greg, a condition of employment for new hires. Mm, elsewhere, some companies are now offering incentives such as $1,000 bonuses. Tracy Epp from Pit Plato Law spoke with Richard Cloutier and Julie Buckingham on the news yesterday and talked about vaccination as a condition of employment. Three things arise from that. First of all, a lot of it will depend on what kind of uh, workplace you're in. So using Rivera as an example, and I know of some other uh, organizations where they provide services to vulnerable populations, whether it's, you know, children or whether or not it's uh, elderly, uh, elderly people, where they are putting in place vaccination or mask policies because they don't want to put their residents or their clients at risk. So there are some of those out there. But then the next question comes is, if an employer does require a vaccination policy, are they at least making some exceptions for people, whether it's on religious grounds or if it's maybe on disability grounds? Because there are some people out there that cannot wear a mask or cannot be vaccinated. And, you know, the way the law is, is that if the employer at least tries to make reasonable accommodation of those people, then the the policy should be able to stand the test. Epp also says provincial legislations on this would be helpful. Helpful, the provincial rather. Government, and I don't think any provincial government in the country has indicated that they're prepared to pass any kind of a law that requires vaccination or mass policies in certain industries. So what you're going to see is employers putting policies in place and then taking a risk, uh, and if employees file a complaint, whether it's with Workplace Safety and Health or Employment Standards or the Human Rights Commission, then those complaints are going to have to make their way through the system and perhaps ultimately to the, into the court system 
and maybe even all the way to the Supreme Court of Canada. This is one of the things we've been talking about throughout the pandemic, Greg. What's going to happen at workplaces? Will they introduce policies? And it's it's here. It's happening. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Well, I know of one workplace where if you're not vaccinated, you're not allowed to basically participate in any extracurricular activities. You're not allowed to do certain things with customers. You're not allowed to go certain places uh, on behalf of the company without being vaccinated. So it's not a condition of employment, but it is a condition of doing, quote unquote, the extra things that are sort of a perk of the job, that are a perk in terms of uh, building relationships with your customers. So uh, it's just a matter of keeping one another, the customer, safe and uh, projecting the, the the appropriate in the mind and in the eyes of uh, this particular corporation, uh, the the proper uh, the proper uh, conduct and etiquette really is the bottom line in the eyes of of the public and in the eyes of their customers. Question of the day at cjob.com. Some Manitoba workplaces are starting to introduce vaccination policies with strict restrictions for the unvaccinated. What do you think? Question of the day, by the way, is brought to you by Credit Aid, helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992. Visit creditaid.ca, call 204-987-6890. And at cjob.com, we have 74% who say love it, 19% say hate it, 7% 7% say, not sure how I feel. Similar result on Twitter where we've got 77% say, love it, 9% hate it, 14% not sure how I feel. I, I'm i in support of, of this kind of a thing, especially in an environment like a personal care home. Um, I think anybody who is working with the those who live there, I think, should be vaccinated. And, uh, you know, anybody working in healthcare, for example, I, I think should be vaccinated. But, yeah, I, I wondered when we first started talking about this, how would I feel about this? And, like, if, if our company, for example, were to introduce a similar policy, I don't think I'd have any problem with it. Well, there, I've seen lots of people discussing this on social media as well, Brett, the whole idea of personal services, are you going to ask your massage therapist? Are you going to ask your barber or the person that does your hair or your physio, your Cairo? Are you vaccinated? Will they answer? Will they tell you? Mm. And if they aren't, are you going to patronize them? That's a discussion a lot of people are having right now. Mackling and McGarry, McNabb is off this week. Just got to read this text here on festivals outside of Winnipeg. Your fa- the best festival you've ever been to outside of Winnipeg. One time I went with this local band called Modern, Modern Problems, to this one-day festival in the middle of the woods in Wisconsin called 2009 Beers Under the Sea, where they had 2009 cans of beer for about 130 people, where I ended up drinking 34 beers, Got punched in the face by a 300-pound man for moshing too hard, discreetly threw the entire stage onto the bonfire, and walked around for hours convinced that I was at my cabin. This dude I knew from Iowa woke up with the word Bonner, B-O-N-N-E-R, tattooed on his legs. (laughs) It was pretty much the greatest day of my life. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. <laughs> that 
is great stuff. Thank you. That's also a first-time texter, I believe. Oh, no, pardon me. That's, I'm looking at another one that's first time. But, hey, thanks. Keep them coming. $20 gift certificate for Santa Lucia Pizza up for grabs. We'll give it away just after 9.15. Also, just wanted to quickly mention uh, that interview. We played clips from Tracy Epp from Pit Plato Law from Rich and Julie yesterday on the news. If you want to hear that full interview, go to the audio vault, cjob.com. It was on just after the 5.30 news. I was listening to it as I was driving to uh, Golf Town, Greg, to reload on golf balls because I... I pretty much lost everything I had yesterday when I was playing at Bridges. The course was, it, Bridges was just, it was in such beautiful shape. I just wanted to, to explore more of the course. I just happened to lose uh, half a dozen golf balls along the way. So Half a dozen? Yeah, That's was, all? Uh, That's pretty good at it, Bridges. I might be being generous on that. It was, it was not a good day for me. <laughs> but it, the course is in great shape. So, yeah, uh, let's play this. Once again, though, I say to Manitobans, thank you, because you're the reason we're able to say that we're doing these things, and Manitobans are making the right choices to roll up their sleeve, to roll up uh, their sleeve and win, quite frankly, to borrow from some uh, somebody that sells a lot of coffee. We're rolling up our sleeves, and we're winning as a consequence. There are no losers in this. And not once but twice, many Manitobans have already taken that step, but we need more. The province is ramping up the push to get people vaccinated and loosened restrictions could be coming next week. Manitoba has already hit the target for the August long weekend goal for the reopening plan with just over 75% with one dose. And Greg, just under 53% are now fully vaccinated. So and since we've blown past the August goal already, McGarry, officials are now looking at the next steps. Premier Brian Pallister says they've got big plans for next week on the vaccination front. We will be hosting a province-wide walk-in vaxathon one week from today on Wednesday, July the 14th. And I encourage all Manitobans that have yet to be vaccinated twice to use that opportunity. On that day, every super site in the province of Manitoba is going to open up as a walk-in clinic only. For any and all Manitobans that wish to uh, show up, we've, uh, I'm told our vaccine team has made more than 20,000 additional vaccines uh, available for that day, including approximately 7,000 Pfizer vaccines that are earmarked for those who are between the ages of 12 and 17. And just to put this in perspective on, with bigger numbers, to achieve our Labor Day immunization milestone, that we set out in the 4321 Great Summer Plan that we released a few weeks ago. We need about 33,000 more first doses and approximately 100,000 more second doses. And we can do this. And I am confident that if we keep working together to support Manitobans making the decision to roll up their sleeve, we'll hit our September long weekend targets faster. Regarding the public health order, we won't see any changes on the restrictions until next week at the earliest because they want to wait at least a full two weeks from when phase one of the reopening plan began. And also during that news conference yesterday, Greg, the premier was asked about, you know, doctors are saying we should wait at least two incubation periods before taking any further steps. And what do you say to that? And he, he Pallister responded in saying, I don't think that it's... Fair, because the question was saying that the doctors have called for this before and they've, whenever they've made these calls, they were right. Uh, mm-hmm. So what do you say to that? And, and he said, well, I don't think it's fair to say just because they were right that we should, should leave everybody you know, locked up at home and keep the economy shut down and keep everybody in bubble wrap, as he put it. Uh, and he's going to listen to 
his experts to Dr. Brent Rusin to see what uh, he has to say. I know some people might think if we jump into the next phase already that we're moving too quickly, but I, I personally um, am hopeful and optimistic that we can uh, get some more stuff open. I don't know. What do you think? Well, I, I always say the numbers that's critical in my mind from the get-go has been that ICU number, that hospitalization number. Those numbers continue go, to go down. Our test positivity rate keeps going down. And, you know, yes, the provinces, in my opinion, messed up some things along the way. But, this, this you know, I'm, I'm going to give the Premier a little bit of a break here. This is obviously the first time we've gone through anything like this. And that's not going to change my opinion on how we handled the third wave. Hopefully we have learned our lesson from going through that third wave and the mistakes that we made along the way. And as long as the premier is listening, in my opinion, once again, to the right people and, and digesting all the information as opposed to being single-mindedly focused on reopening the economy, he'll have my support. But you have to, that, that balance that's been preached to us and we've been told is key as long as that continues to be the approach uh then then i'm absolutely behind that approach 100 percent. also dr joss reimer by the way medical lead of the task force uh, says it is possible to see vaccine approvals for as young as five years old by september but that's pending ongoing clinical trials and i know a lot of parents are hoping that, you know sooner than later because the, the the possibility of kids going back to school in September, still unvaccinated, I'm sure, would uh, have a lot of people worried for their kids. Yeah, I know uh, that discussions are taking place in different schools about how to approach September. I've heard the terminology uh, that we got used to uh, over the last uh, 18 months uh, cohort, and that, that those still may be a factor come September because of the number of kids, uh, A, between 12 and 17 that may not yet be vaccinated and had that two-week waiting period. And then, of course, children under 12 cannot get vaccinated. And I want to give a real quick shout-out, Brett, to the team. Whoever looked after me, I know her name. I'm not going to use her name on the air, but I just want to give a shout-out to the incredible A++ customer service I received yesterday Jackie and I had an appointment scheduled for Friday. We managed uh, for our second dose. We managed to get that second dose almost two weeks ago now. It was a Pfizer dose. We managed to transfer with ease our appointment to the boys. So the boys are getting the Pfizer tomorrow. And like I said, uh, just nothing but grade A customer service on that telephone line yesterday. And I, I really didn't want that to go unnoticed, unmentioned or unrecognized because far too often we hear about the lousy customer service or experiences on that front. It was nothing but a pleasure yesterday. So thumbs up. I was going to say McGarry. You can say it. Go ahead. I was going to say McGarry and McNabb. Mackling is off this week, but that's not the order of operations this week. It's Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is off this week. The summer musical chairs. Next week. Uh, Next week. Are you off next week? No, sir. Are we all together next week? I think we are. My word. And then I'm off for a week after that. Oh, okay. Do you have any time off coming up? No, I haven't booked anything yet. I was trying to wait to see, you know, what yeah. you guys were up to. Okay. Try and figure out uh, Blue Bomber season schedule mm. and, you know, figure out uh, what's going on there because I'm fortunate enough to work on the uh, on uh, home games, uh, doing the 
pregame and the halftime show. So I don't like to be away for those things. So yeah, yeah we're sorting it out. Okay. So uh, we want to talk about, you mentioned bombers. We want to talk about a different kind of football, Valor FC, in a moment. But before that, one of the many great texts we've received so far on festivals, the best festival you've ever been to outside of Winnipeg. And uh, this one listener wants to tell us about a festival of light. Yeah, it's Rich. Oh, sorry. Uh, sorry there, Brett. I dropped a pen on the floor. Uh, Rich talking about Festival of Light in Vancouver, English Bay, downtown Vancouver to be specific. Best fireworks display. Half a million people line the shores and party and quickly disperse wow. peacefully. Uh, and if you uh, live in an apartment building like my brother did uh, for years in West End Vancouver, rooftop spectating is incredible. Top-notch festival atmosphere. Had to have been the 2010 Olympics, various free concerts. It's many stages all over Vancouver. Best couple of week, memorable experience. Everyone should check out the Olympics in person. Each country had their own large party tents with food and drink and live music from their country alone side of the uh, larger scale party zone. So how about that? Uh, it sounds like a combination of the Pan Am Games is at 1999 in Winnipeg and Folklorama. Those concerts at the Forks for Pan Am Games were incredible. That was two of the best weeks ever in Winnipeg, speaking of of Manitoba festivals and parties. And Rich adds, also, I did a weekend in Bavaria, Munich, a.k.a. the real Oktoberfest. Oh, my word. I missed that. uh, Rich sent us a series of text messages, the real Oktoberfest. Can you imagine? Oh, so jealous. So jealous. That would be a wild party. Just like there was a party last night. At IG Field, on a day where millions of eyeballs were on a soccer match at Wembley Stadium in England, there was a much-anticipated match in our own city last night. Yeah, of course, England defeated Denmark in the semifinal of Euro Cup 2020. That's not a misprint, 2020. This tournament was scheduled for last year. On Champions Way at the University of Manitoba, fans of Valor FC returned to IG Field. Nathan Coop was one of the fans in attendance. I'm so excited to be back. It's like, it's time. It's been like a year and a half, two, uh, over a year and a half, and I'm so thrilled to be back here at home uh, with Valor Army and just enjoying it myself. The crowd was so loud the whole time. I can't tell how many people were in here, but like, it was a great atmosphere. We'll be back here on Sunday Woo! and Wednesday, whenever the next game's on, we'll be here. Now, they were, they were allowing up to 2,000 fans inside the stadium. It's my understanding there were seven, between 700 and 1,000 fans in there. That's for the first time since the Blue Bombers finished their 2019 regular season versus the Calgary Stampeders on October 25th. The Red River Rising Group and the crowd itself just kept the energy up regardless. 2,000 people sounded like 7,000 Michael Hofer was also part of the crowd, which witnessed Valor's first loss of the season 2-1 to York United FC. It's been a long 18 months. I have been waiting with bated breath to be able to just attend live events again with other people. It just felt wrong to have an entire year go by without live sports, without live music, to be forced to hunker down in place when there's so much to do missing a year with family so i i am absolutely thrilled to be able to come back 
Some more activity is helping mark our slow move to things we love and missed during this pandemic. Valor FC back at it Sunday at IG Field, 12.30 p.m. versus Hamilton Forge. That'll be a nice appetizer, Brett, for the Euro Cup final at 2 o'clock our time Sunday afternoon. Mackling and McGarry McNabb is off this week. We are about to award a $20 gift certificate for Santa Lucia Pizza based on your texts on your the best festival you've ever been to outside of Winnipeg. Listen to this one from Reese, one of our runners up here. EDC Las Vegas. It's called Electric Daisy Carnival. It's a three-day event from 5 p.m. to 7 a.m., on a long weekend in May, it is life-changing. 500,000 people a night. It is a city, and it is a sensory overload. Lasers, fire, 25 stories high, stages, nine stages in total, and it's at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway. <laughs> I'm getting, I need to look this up. I just lost my breath. Like It took my breath away thinking about that. That sounds like a blast, Reese. I'm glad you got to experience that. But uh, our, our ultimate runner-up and our ultimate winner, have both from the same fest, Sunfest. So, Greg, I'm going to read Dan's here. And sure. then you'll, you'll take, the, take the winner home. Um, <laughs> two very sort of, one has a really bad ending and one has a really good ending. Dan's story here says, I remember the very first Sunfest. The hip were the headliners on Saturday night. I went with my roommate his girlfriend, and her roommate, who was rather annoying and kept flicking the beak of my hat. My roommates and I each bought a 2-4, figuring that would last us the weekend. Well, needless to say, Saturday, we drove back into Gimli to buy more beer. However, my roommate ended up blacking out in the bathroom of the restaurant we were in and broke his nose, so he decided he's not drinking anymore. And he ends up ditching everybody on Saturday to watch the hip. When I eventually made my way back to the tent, I could hear people fooling around. However, it wasn't my roommate and his girlfriend, but rather my roommate and his girlfriend's roommate. So the drive home Sunday... Yeah. Drive home Sunday was very tense. My roommate's now ex-girlfriend was the only one in in the car with cigarettes. So what do you do? Do you give my roommate the last drag of the cigarettes or do you just toss it out the window? Well, I decided to just toss it out the window, but that was one of the best weekends of my life. (laughs) The drama. That is fantastic story. Uh, Shauna's maybe similar but different. A a much better outcome, as you mentioned, Brett. Sunfest, 1993, grabbed a bunch of buddies and headed off to Gimli for the weekend. It was the following year before Pearl Jam came on stage. A fellow caught my eye. I said to a friend, he's cute, and went on chatting away to the group. To my surprise, my buddy went and introduced himself to this guy and brought him over to meet me. He walked up to our group, looked my girlfriend dead in the eyes and said, are you Shauna? She rolled her eyes and pointed to me. It's her. I burst out laughing. He laughed. 28 years and two sons later, we are still laughing together. Look at that. He came over and he liked Shauna's friend because that's what that means, right? If he if he identifies himself to someone in the party, that's the person he's interested in. <laughs> Turns out he was there to meet Shauna and they got married. That's great. That is a wonderful story, Shauna. Thank you for sharing. And congratulations. You're the winner.
Mackling and McGarry, McNabb is off this week, back next week. European soccer has the ability to bring together fans of the beautiful game. It also, without question, creates tension and potential hostilities between fans of differing sides. And that's just at the king's head. (laughs) Yep. Yep. (laughs) Never mind in uh, certain European and North American, well, cities all over the world. Let's be frank. Yesterday, the final was set. Italy advanced on Tuesday, defeating Spain. And yesterday, in extra time, England advanced with a controversial win over Denmark. That sets up Sunday's final, Brett, in London at Wembley Stadium. Austin Siragusa was a member of our team here at Global and 680 CGOB for far too brief a time. Now works with the Manitoba Moose. We say good morning to Austin Siragusa. Hello there, Austin. Good morning, Brett. Morning, Greg. Good to talk to you guys again. So listen, man, before we go any further, the penalty awarded to England survived a video replay. Should it have been overturned? I mean, I don't know. I was watching that game live with my dad back home uh, just yesterday. I don't know. It was kind of controversial, like you said. It was the two defenders were kind of closing in on Sterling there. He looked, you know, at the ref as soon as he fell. It was it was kind of controversial in my eyes. I think at the end of the day, I think England probably was going to come out of that either way. But um, you know, that's why they have video review. And I guess the VAR didn't see anything wrong. I don't know. Again, I'm I'm trying to stay on the Italian side of things, so um, I'm not going to go into too many details about that. But it was it was definitely a controversial call. Probably one of the more. Uh, controversial ones we've seen in this tournament for sure yeah well i was cheering for england and there is no way that that should have been a penalty oh no greg oh no yes 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 and i'm gonna die on that hill because i i don't like (laughs) winning like that i don't like winning anything uh, when it's improper or there's a bad decision especially when there's video evidence clearly it wasn't touched anyway (laughs) it's in the books now as they say austin and so the final is set italy continues its storied success in a variety of high level tournaments and of course england uh, just this is the first time since 1966 they've been in a final of any sort. They were talking on the broadcast yesterday. You want to talk about homerism? Oh my goodness! Why is it always so tense? Why does it always have to be this way? Black and white television. The last time we got to experience this, all that put aside as well. Can you answer this objectively, Austin? Was this expected for the Italian side? Uh, honestly, I I don't think you can expect that. I mean. The last time Italy was on the world stage, well, they weren't really on the world stage in 2018. They failed to qualify for the World Cup, and that was just... That's right. A, yeah, that was just such a shock to the you know entire nation, even the entire you know soccer football community, because you know, it's, it's Italy. You know, that, that sport is kind of in their blood. So after 2018, they kind of went on a, almost a rebuild, if you will. The entire uh, football council was, you know, resigned. The, the manager of the team resigned, and... They brought in uh, Roberto Mancini, who's been a, a manager previously with the, the Italian national team, and he sort of brought a, a new spark to this team. But um, that being said, they, w- they went on a run of, like I think it's almost like 34, 35 unbeaten games. Now, granted, the, the, the quality of the teams they've beaten in those 30 games has not been as high as you know, the, the Englands or the, the Belgiums or anything like that. But still, that's an unbelievable run that Italy's went on. But I don't think, you know, when you look at the talent of the, the group, not to discredit them or anything, I don't think uh, the finals was was really in the in the sights of this team. I definitely think they would have made it out of the group stage and advanced a, a few more stages, but you know, no one's going to complain, that's for sure that they're in the uh, the European Championship final. It's going to set up a, a super super exciting game here on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, you don't have to be a, a a diehard soccer fan to know that 
The fact that this final has England and Italy is a big deal. Uh, The atmosphere in different cities around the world is going to be intense on Sunday. Where are you going to be watching? (laughs) I haven't actually thought about that too, too much. Uh, I I might just stay at home and and watch with my family. Um, I get my Vax card actually on Friday, so I might pop out to a place with a, a couple other vaccinated friends. But you know what? It's just like you said, it's going to be such an incredible environment no matter where where people are watching and even uh, at the game you know of course it's being played in in Wembley in London England so um, obviously the the home side uh, will have some big home uh, home field advantage if you will but um, it's going to be super exciting and I think you know I'm not going to try and speak on all Italian soccer fans here but the fact that they made it to the European Championship final is a huge success in their own right and hopefully it gives them some uh, some confidence heading into the World Cup which is I guess uh, not too far away now either. Something that had me scratching my head yesterday, Austin. I don't know how much of the post-game coverage you took in, but England was, you know, applauding the crowd and the team was clapping. And it it, it was almost like last night when Tampa Bay won the Stanley Cup. And I'm thinking, you guys haven't won anything yet. The championship oh, is on Sunday. What 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 is with this? And what was with Sweet Caroline? And everybody singing that song with all the incredible musical talent that's come out out of England or Great Britain over the years that they they decide to go with Sweet Caroline. Do you have any idea where this was born out of? The Sweet Caroline one, I don't know. The the big one they chant is the the Three Lions uh, It's Coming Home chant. They've had that for, you know, a couple of years now, maybe a couple of decades now even. But I don't know what that Sweet Caroline thing was all about either. But, yeah, I did notice that as well. I mean, I guess it is historic, like you guys were saying in the intro, it's been you know, since the days of black and white television, since England's uh, made it this far. And I don't think they've ever actually made it to a European Championship final. So that's big for their fans too, right? I mean, England has had their disappointments too on, on the world stage as of late. So um, it's big for them too. I mean, you look at the way, the, you, know, you know, I'm not going <laughs> to be biased here either. The Italians, the way they celebrated in their penalty kick win uh, against Spain too, you would have thought they won the Stanley Cup as well. But it, it's exciting, right, to play for that big European Championship um, and I, I, you know what, I don't even want to think about what Wembley would be like if, if England won. I'm, I don't even think England's going to win, obviously, but um, it's going to be uh, <laughs> it's going to be incredible there either way on Sunday. What is it about these tournaments with you, whether it's the Euro or the World Cup? Uh, for the most part, I know soccer is gaining momentum in North America, but for the most part, I think it's safe to say that it's not sort of front and center on, on the, the, mm-hmm. the minds of a lot of sports fans or even just casual fans. But when these tournaments happen, Things change, and you can see it, you can feel it. Just walking down the street, you see the flags in people's cars. So what is it about these particular two tournaments, the Euro and the World Cup, that that kind of creates this soccer fever? Yeah, you know what, I think it's just an opportunity for, you know, fans of the game to to either, you know, cheer for their favorite player when they're cheering on or they're playing for their national team or just to celebrate sort of uh, your roots. You know, that's why it's so exciting for me. You know, obviously I do love soccer, but it's a chance for me to, you know, connect with some of my family that's back in Italy or um, just sort of, like I said, connect to your roots. So I know there's a, a lot of teams that aren't you know, good enough. It's a, potentially Canada one day will get into that World Cup um, with some of the rising stars like Alfonso Davies uh, and, and a few others on that Canadian team. So maybe we'll have something to cheer about on the world stage too. But I think it's just that, just that, you know what I mean? It's a, it's a big competition. Almost all the teams uh, throughout the world are, you know, spaced out pretty generously. So it's it's just super exciting and yeah like you said walking down the street you know you can't go down Corden Avenue without seeing a an Italian flag on every couple of blocks so it's it's super exciting and it's cool to see uh the city like this right now 
Yeah, well, you're, of course, talking about the Canadian men's team that has uh, mm-hmm. failed miserably along the way. The Canadian yeah. women's team, of course, has done such incredible things over the last decade oh, yeah. in particular, done Canada very, very proud. Austin, I, I'm pretty proud of you uh, in terms of your ability to more or less give <laughs> us an objective view of this. Uh, prediction for a, a score, or are you even going to go down that road for Sunday? No, I won't go score, but uh, I won't. I'll, I'll be, bi- be biased on this one. I'll go Italy for the win for sure, Greg. I know that's going to upset you a little bit, but I don't know. It's Italy might not have the same amount of star power, if you will, that England will, but they're a, a pretty solid team, and I expect them to come out uh, flying on Sunday, especially being the underdogs too. I think uh, the line came out right after that uh, England game against Denmark yesterday, and I think they might be a bit of an underdog, but that's kind of been the Italians' uh, way this entire tournament, and uh, it should make for an exciting game Sunday. Austin Siragusa, Italian super fan. Enjoy the match on Sunday, and thank you very much for joining us. Great to hear your voice again, sir. Yeah, good to chat with you guys again, too. Take care. And tomorrow we are going to check in with an English super fan and uh, get their perspective and perhaps... uh, you know, maybe we'll get a, a, an unbiased prediction. Austin didn't want to make a he just an nope. unbiased prediction. He went with his heart on that, and good for him. You got to I mean you got to support your your home team, so to speak. I yeah, if you enjoy going out to watch sporting events, it's going to be tough, I think, for a lot of people to decide where to go. Like if it's not something they do normally, but they want to make sure they go out and check it out. Where do you, where would you go? Like, especially if you don't know what side you're on like what if you're just sort of a casual fan and you want to just go check it out where would you go i don't know i would i would suggest that if you're going to make that decision you do it today yeah because uh, obviously with restricted and limited capacities at places like that you will want to make that decision very quickly get your name on a list somewhere uh obviously the king's head or bar italia would be the two I would suspect sort of homegrown and uh, like the uh, unofficial headquarters for each team, uh, supposedly. Uh, It would be kind of neat. I think on short notice it would be tough, but wouldn't it be neat if you could close down a street, close down King Street and have a street party there? Yeah. And then uh, close down Cordon Avenue and have a street party there. That that would be something special. But uh, obviously in these times it would be uh, difficult to do that. And the Grove, actually, now that I think about it, that would be a great spot, mm. too, because I know that they've always got the standings, what do they call the table for the the, table. Uh, the Premier League, like the uh, the English Premier League. Is that they, they, they put up the standings like Correct. they used to they, they used to open up super early on Sundays to show soccer there. So the Grove would be a great spot if you're an English fan. And I would imagine there will be a number of places on Cordon Avenue. Uh, showing the match so that's going to be an exciting spot i have my and i guess by saying this i'm sort of declaring which side i i guess i'm on i i have a spot reserved already at the bar top at the king's head so i guess i'm going for england on sunday i i don't know who i'm gonna cheer for i know it's tough i've never been to england even though i have some english heritage uh, I don't have any Italian heritage, but I've been to Italy. So you see, I'm sort of caught in the middle. My sister-in-law introduced us to the power of cheering for Italy when they won the World Cup back, I think, I guess it was back in 2006, I want to say. Yeah. Braiding down Cordon Avenue. Jackie with, with the was still pregnant with the boys. 
Uh, so I, I'm not declaring anything till tomorrow. Yeah, it's tough too because you know I even though I have a lot of friends going for England, a lot of friends going for Italy, like our own colleague right down the hall, Joe Aiello. I almost feel like I'm betraying our good friend Joe by suggesting mm. I'm going to cheer for England. Although, you know what? I'm going to justify it right now. What did you say? It's been 19, was it 69 since England made? 66. The, so 1966 was the last time England made any kind of a major final? Yes. Okay. Well, there you go. And you and Italy got the World Cup in 2006. So it's been longer for England. So there, that's my, that's my logic. It's decided. Brett has planted his flag and it is uh, uh the flag of england the england the three lions on the back squarely of brett mcgarry hey thanks for listening to the start podcast we are available on apple podcast google podcast wherever you find your favorite podcasts subscribe now and never miss an episode and if you like what you hear rate the show tell us what you think and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.